honest questions with honest answers. This is Unfiltered, brought to you by the Emergency Medical Minute. All right, listeners, welcome back for another episode of Unfiltered. Today, we have the privilege of being in the highest emergency department and full-service hospital in the world, uh, St. Vincent's Hospital in Leadville, Colorado, and we're here with Dr. Lisa Swerdlinger, who uh, um, has an, a multitude of roles both here in the hospital and within the community and has a fascinating career that I'm really excited to learn more about. So, Dr. Swerdlinger, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. All right. So, Lisa, we have uh, I've primed you a little bit for this, but essentially, I think there are so few people who do what you do in the country. Um, and you can tell us more about it, but essentially Lisa does primary care in the clinic. She does OB, she does the ER, she does inpatient medicine, consults at other hospitals. How did you get to become the first woman of medicine in Lake County? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are? Absolutely. So I came uh, in the late 90s, um, uh, right out of residency. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I was uh, uh, negotiating a contract for Bethel, Alaska on the Arctic Rim. I'm an avid ice climber, and the cooler climbing there is extraordinary. Um, <laughs> but my husband at the time had seasonal affective disorder and uh, couldn't tolerate the long winter <laughs> nights. Um, so Leadville was our compromise, where it was cold and snowy most of the time, uh, uh, You know, just a few annoying months of summer. Um, uh, but the ice climbing is great um, uh, the rest of the year, and so that's how we wound up here. That's wonderful. That's excellent. Can you tell me about where, you know, tell me about your training and what, you know, what, uh, how you got into wanting to be the kind of physician and provider that you are now? So I always knew uh, that I wanted to go into medicine. Um, uh, that was um, uh, de- predetermined, I think, from the time that I was a child. Uh, but um, uh, through medical school, I had a hard time deciding on what I wanted to do because I liked everything. Um, and all of the rotations that I did as a third-year medical student were great. They were fun. Um, uh, I certainly enjoyed most of them. Uh, and during one of my last rotations, I uh, had the privilege of having a family medicine resident be my um, senior resident um, who looked at me one day puzzled and said, well, Lise, you could go into family medicine and you can do it all. And then the little light bulb went on, um, uh, and I um, uh, did my fourth year focusing on um, knowing that I wanted to come to a rural area and be a family physician. And I know that you know practicing in a rural setting is something that's very important to you. Absolutely. And can you comment on advocacy for your patients? I think that so many of the folks that you take care of every day are underserved. Uh, you work in a critical access hospital, and just kind of what your personal approach to advocacy is and how that takes up your time and, and how that interacts with your practice usually. You know, one of my favorite stories um, uh, is when um, my car broke down and um, I, uh, I had to have it uh, essentially pushed <laughs> to my office uh, and it was in the middle of the parking lot, um, uh, stranded. And um, I went into the office um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, was taking care of patients. And then um, I came out in the middle of, uh, of the day um, uh, to just try and maybe get it out of the traffic and it was gone. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, well, um, uh, I wonder, I what, wonder what's happening. And then I, I got, saw it today going yeah, differently when yeah, I woke up. And then I uh, came back, uh, I went to the office, something happened, and I had to run back in, and I, I essentially forgot about it. And then when I came back, um, at the end of the day, went back out into the parking lot, um, it was parked in its usual spot, um, the keys in the ignition, um, and it worked just fine. Uh, and, uh, you know, I called the sheriff, and I said, so, I was new to town, I probably had been here maybe just a year or two. And I thought, you know, is that a little strange um, that, um, you know, my car was broken down and then, you know, now it's fixed. And, and he said, well, you know, at least we take care of our own. 
Uh, and so what some beautiful person had done, and I actually never figured out who it was, um, had taken, saw that my car was in the middle of the parking lot, not working, had taken it, fixed it, and then brought it back and never asked for anything. Um, and that um, is our community, that's Leadville, and that's what we do for one another, and that's been my mantra since I've been here, is you know, we do the right thing for, for, our, for our own and we take care of them. And it's not hard to do um, uh, when you're in a community that is as delightful and lovely as the one that I live in. That is a wonderful story. And uh, tell me about kind of your vision for taking care of patients here. How would, you know, how, if you could design a system that took care of your folks, your, your family here as you wish that it could, what would it look like? Well, it's exactly what we've created here, um, is integ true integrated healthcare. And that, um, you know, I think the big problem with medicine is that care is very disjointed and you go one place for one thing and then another place for something else and no one knows you, no one is invested in your well-being, no one cares to put you together as a person and not just someone who has kidneys and someone who has a mental health issue and then someone who has heart disease, um, someone who really actually knows you and that's what we've created here and we are very fortunate in Leadville to have, um, I believe, one of the most integrated systems ever and that's because we have a very strong primary care base, we have primary care providers here who have been here for a long time, who know their patients, who are excited and interested in taking care of their patients, um, who see them at the soccer games and the ski races and um, uh, who, uh, you know, help them grow grocery shop. Uh, and we can integrate our healthcare delivery system where when I see someone crying at Safeway, I know who they are. I ask what's wrong. They come see me in my office. I can plug them into the mental health services that are available. And I understand who they are. And integration of healthcare is the thing that Leadville does just beautifully. And much to be learned from the, the rest of the state and the country, <laughs> to say the <laughs> you know, least. I, I always, anyone who will listen, I always brag about that. <laughs> we were just talking about that earlier this morning. I mean, I think, I think a lot of our listeners will identify with frustrations at a fragmented system, wherein you're seeing patients constantly coming back to the emergency department because they can't, uh, there's a there's a breakdown in managing chronic conditions or they have terrible difficulty in getting in to see a primary care provider or to see a specialist if needed. And I think that that is a microcosm of what a lot of the ails the American healthcare system. Well, and that there's, you know, there's limited health insurance options, you know, um, uh, is difficult. You know, my husband um, always coined the phrase, you know, babies for burritos. Um, uh, and uh, certainly I have um, done a lot uh, to take care of the underserved population who just can't pay me. Um, and, you know, we write off their charges. Um, uh, and then there's, you know, a bundle of burritos that show up at my office <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a thank you. Um, and, you know, those of us who have a lot, and I certainly am very fortunate um, to be one of those, um, need to share um, uh, for those who don't. And it's not hard to do when that um, effort just spread out amongst an entire community. Can you help us picture what it was like when you first came to Leadville? What was healthcare in Leadville and Lake County, Colorado like when you first started here? It was a mess. Um, uh, there was... Um, you know, the, we had one of the highest infant mortality rates. Um, uh, women had no access um, uh, to prenatal care. They were still delivering babies in their bathtubs. Um, uh, it was um, it was a mess. There was very little well child care. Vaccination rates were not um, as high as they could be. Um, there wasn't a lot of coordination of care where someone had needed mental health services and they didn't get them. Um, uh, people needed uh, dialysis and they just had to move because there was no um, option for them. They didn't have any transportation options. And one of the first things um, that I did um, was um, uh, would go to the local gathering places and just listen. 
what do people need here? You know, I was right out of residency. I was in my 20s. I really didn't have a lot of life experience at that point. Um, uh, and I just, I wanted to hear what the people needed. And I listened. And over the last, you know, over the ensuing decades, uh, we put together the system that worked for the people. How did you build it? How did you, who did you need to get as a stakeholder? How did you push it to become what you wanted it to be. I'm sure it was really easy and yeah. very straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, um, uh, I never believed that there was any um, uh, discrimination based upon age or gender um, because I refused to see it. <laughs> and I definitely, um, you know, got um, a reputation um, uh, that maybe wasn't as flattering as it could be. Um, breaking into the breaking into the good old boys network um, was um, uh, difficult at, at best. Um, I uh, remember an interchange that I had with the road and bridge director um, years ago. Um, uh, we were at a county commissioner meeting and I was talking about the delivery of emergency services and how it really was all of our responsibility. And uh, the director of road and bridge looked at the county commissioner and said, would someone put her on a leash? <laughs> <laughs> and this gentleman um, is enormous. He fills a doorway when he um, uh, walks into the room. And I, of course, am very small. And I looked straight at him and I said, sir, do we need to take this outside? And he's loved me ever since. Um, uh, so I think that there's, you know, there are barriers everywhere that you look, and you can certainly, um, you know, run against them and not do anything about it, or you can find creative ways um, uh, to break them down. And we found a solution. Uh, we found a way to provide emergency services um, in our community that um, would be able to get an ambulance out to a 911 call, mm -hmm. which was huge. Yeah. We didn't have um, uh, you know much of that when I first got here, so I think the the way that it works um, is that you always do the right thing. And again, you always come back to your mantra: we take care of our own. And when you have that in mind, and that's what you want, people eventually come to you and give you what you need. It's truly really a community. I mean, yeah. How have you seen the community in Leadville change since you first started? Good. Yeah, well, obviously it's much bigger uh, than when I first started, and there's lots of folks moving into town now for economic reasons because it's a, a more affordable community than our neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, and so I see the community grow significantly. Um, uh, unfortunately, the marijuana culture um, has embraced our community as well, and that has changed the way that I practice medicine. There are so many people now who um, poison themselves routinely um, and just don't have the insight into how it negatively affects their well-being. Um, uh, and it's, it's hard to take care of that population. We do, certainly, and then, of course, we'll always um, uh, take care of them. Um, but they have less insight into their illness than others and that's that's been a big change tell me more about that i mean so we are a college town, so we have a college um, uh, that is here, um, uh, and um, we are um, a bedroom community um, uh, for the larger resorts um, uh, that surround us. And the young people that come to work in those, um, often um, uh, when you ask them, you know, so what brought you to Colorado, um, uh, a significant proportion of them say it's, you know, marijuana is legal here when I like to use marijuana all day long. And so they come in, you know, after they've been here for a while, and, um, you know, the, the common complaint that I see, right, is, you know, the 25-year-old who um, a, a chief complaint is doesn't feel well. And within a couple minutes of being in the exam room, um, I can understand, you know, I just, I don't have as much energy as I did. I feel like I have problems focusing. I feel more depressed um, than I have. Sometimes I don't want to get out of bed. Um, I don't feel as though um, I did, you know, five years ago. 
And so going through their history, well, so what's changed? Well, I moved to a new place. Um, uh, you know, um, I have a new job. Um, you know, maybe I'm not eating as well as I should. Oh, and I, you know, I, I smoke marijuana all day long. Or I chew on gummies or, you know, whatever it is I use. I use, you know, THC all day long. And to get them to make the leap to say, well, you know, there's a hundred things this could be, um, common things being common, I wonder if it has to do something with, you know, your, your daily marijuana use. They can't make that leap. And the vast majority of those people are so stuck in that mm. cultural decision that they, they, they can't, they can't, you know, they can't come out of it. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I, I always, you know, I, I, I'm a parent of teenagers, and so I look at them and I say, you know what, I can lecture all day long. I've got a long lecture repertoire. Um, uh, however, I found that not to be helpful, um, and then people don't come back. So let's do our due diligence. We'll do other testing, you know, and other laboratory studies. We'll get you know, a, a mental health evaluation. We'll do our due diligence. But I want you to keep in the back of your mind um, that this may be as simple um, as that you're doing too much of a depressant medication. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you did less of that, you would feel better. I think that's a valuable perspective. There's such a discourse now about legalization of marijuana. And I think there's obviously a lot of components to that discussion about proposed health benefits that probably don't have any sort of true scientific backing. And I think there's a lot of there's social arguments, but I think that your perspective as someone who has spent her entire career caring for an underserved population whose motives couldn't be questioned, there's no, what ulterior motive could you possibly have? You've committed your career to working in this community. To hear that from you is, um, that's a powerful testament. It's disappointing, uh, certainly. That's not the community that you I've worked hard to build and that's not the kind of, you wouldn't want that for your patients for their health, but um, that's a powerful testament. Um. Well, you know, and I, I, well, I, you know, as part of my introduction into, you know, why it's, why marijuana may not be um, good for you, you know, I, I often put it into the same realm as alcohol and tobacco and fast food and, you know, french fries and, you know, those kind of things is that, you know, as humans, we tend to poison ourselves mm -hmm. um, as, it, as, you know, and some cultures are more um, likely to do that than others. But, you know, just as much as you shouldn't smoke marijuana all day long, you should need, you know hamburgers all day long either yep. um, and and you know obesity is is an issue um, uh, you know uh, as well that negatively impacts people and so I think once you frame it in that context people understand a little bit better and I have been told more than once that uh, people have stopped their um, negative behavior because my um, uh, interactions with me are so annoying <laughs> that they just they can't walk back into my office and hear the lecture again so they stop whatever it takes which is great whatever it <laughs> like takes. you know I'll turn cartwheels if yep. that's what it will take but if it just takes me being a little annoying. That's yeah. easy to do. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it is part of a, a greater problem with kind of self-destructive behavior and mental yeah. health, right? I mean, it's, it certainly can't be extricated from that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a problem that is facing more and more communities in that way. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate your perspective on that. What else is it like to, po to you know, to practice in Leadville? What else are, how are the, for our listeners, what, what are the folks like if you were to describe your patients and the, the clientele of this this town well for the most part we're a hearty group you know you can't <laughs> you know there's that bumper sticker right that says that we're here because we're not all there um, uh, and I believe that to be true um, uh, you know living at extremes of high altitude where mm -hmm. it's cold all the time uh, you know a, a sunny day in the summer of 65 degrees is you know it's a warm day we all break out our shorts you know the um, uh, uh, you know the, the the whole idea you know about you know when, uh, summer sports you know if you um, uh, 
like baseball, um, uh, we usually get it one day a year <laughs> to play that on a Tuesday in the middle of July. Uh, just because there's snow on the ground the rest of the time, and I guess unless the baseball's orange, um, it's hard to find in the snow. But I think that um, we're a hearty group here, uh, and um, the people who um, you know have called Leadville their home for you know years on end definitely um, have a lot of grit to them. And you know, I ranch, um, raise cattle, uh, and um, uh, the livestock community is just—it's—it's it's, nobody takes anything for granted. Um, and when there's tragedy, everybody, everybody, you know, comes together. We had a horse die um, unexpectedly um, uh, um, a, a while ago and just devastated my kids. Um, it was a horse that, you know, they've obviously had for a while. It was a rescue horse and someone that was, you know, very important to our family. And, you know, within, um, uh, you know, a couple days after the word got out that we lost one of our drafts, um, we had, you know, three others show up wow. <laughs> with people who just trailered their horse and said, you know what, we heard the kids lost a horse. We wanted to offer, you know, if we could give you one, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's that kind of cohesiveness that I know if I need something, if the helipad is covered with snow, I can call um, and get a plow truck here within minutes. If, um, uh, you know, the power goes out, um, we will have emergency generators here to take care of everyone. If we have a snow in um, uh, where our elderly patients, you know, can't get out of their driveways, um, uh, people will come shovel. Whatever you need, we take care of each other. And I don't know many places around that are like that. I don't know many places where when I am desperate um, because something has happened, I make two phone calls and, and we, get, we, we get what we need. That's the best part about living here. <laughs> the best part? Even better than climbing mountains? And <laughs> you know, you can climb mountains. Hiking you ice can, falls. You can climb mountains in a lot of places. Um, and I have. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, the, the community is what keeps me here. You know, when you love your job, you don't work a day in your life. And yep. it's never hard for me to get out of bed and come to work. Um, I love what I do. Having just started to work here, I can see why you feel that way. I certainly can. Can you tell us about things that uh, your hobbies, things that keep you busy outside of work? We can talk more about the practice of medicine here because I think there's sure. a lot there. But what are yeah. the things you get? Well, I, I ranch, <laughs> and so that's where I'll. And I raise children. <laughs> You know, God bless my husband. Um, uh, he is um, a full-time rancher, a full-time um, father. Um, I couldn't do it without him. Um, uh, the support staff is um, definitely um, uh, necessary. And he um, is gracious um, uh, and allows me to live my life um, uh, practicing medicine and taking care of our community. And he takes very good care of um, me and our family. And so that, that definitely makes it happen. Um, we don't have free time. Uh, you know, it's anyone who parents two teenagers knows that there is no free time at all, um, you know, between running back and forth from this practice and that competition and, um, you know, um, and then anything that might be construed as free time is all <laughs> taken up by the cattle <laughs> because they're awfully needy. Um, uh, they, you know, they, they, they do what they do. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's an important lifestyle. And I certainly, um, uh, you know, when my husband and I talked about how we wanted to raise our family, um, clearly ranching um, the farmer uh, lifestyle is what we wanted to teach our kids uh, and about work ethic and responsibility and how to be respectful to the planet and to the animals that they raise and um, uh, you know how to make sure that they're going to be good citizens of the planet obviously is very important and as we all know that um, youth in every generation sometimes struggles with um, understanding their place um, and where they will be productive um, uh, and how that to be successful. And um, uh, it was very important to um, my husband and I that we raised children who were honest and worked really hard. 
where do you think that comes from for you? I know that you and your husband have fostered that in each other and as you've grown your family, but you came into that relationship with a background in that. Where do you think it comes from? Um, I, I come from a military family. Um, my father was career Air Force. Um, and, you know, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and, um, uh, yeah, it was, you know, we, we um, I watched both of my parents work really hard um, to support us, and that, you know, nothing was ever given to us. We grew, you know, I grew up in a very poor um, uh, part of town, and um, uh, it was important um, uh, for all of us to have um, that same work ethic, so it comes from where I came from. Did you grow up here? So that's a good question too. Um, I grew up on the other side of Mosquito Pass um, uh, um, as a young child, and then unfortunately my father died when I was 12, and then we moved to the city um, uh, to be closer to resources. Um, and then my mother raised, uh, my brothers were gone um, during that time, they were quite a bit older than I am. Um, uh, but then she raised me alone in the city. And then you went to school in University of Colorado. In, in all Denver. you know, in all, Boulder, all, yeah, right? yeah. So I did Boulder um, undergrad, and then uh, medical school in Denver, and then residency was also at the university. Okay. And your first job out was here. Yeah. <laughs> I quit every day for the first month. <laughs> <laughs> I um uh, walked into a, uh, an established practice that had been here, you know, for I think a hundred years. Um, was uh, the um uh, the estimate? No one knows that for certain. Um, but um, uh, there were two senior partners, both of them uh, 20 or so years older than I was. Um, and uh, first day, um, uh, the first senior partner came in, shook my hand, and said, I have been wanting a day off now for years. I'm gone for a month. <laughs> See ya. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and uh, the second day, the second partner walked in, shook my hand, and said, God, great, you're here. Um, uh, here's the cell phone, or here, here's the satellite phone. Um, I'm also leaving for a month. Good luck to you. And so right out of residency, <laughs> um, I had the entire town, took care of the emergency department, labor and delivery, um, uh, the clinic, um, inpatient, um, uh, the health department. <laughs> I mean, essentially everything I was just yeah. sort of given. Um, uh, and um, really, uh, <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrifying. Um, you know, you can imagine being in the emergency room and taking care of someone who's having an acute MI and then... You know, have someone come into labor and, you know, at the same time and have a bad baby and have to do a crash C-section and then have to figure out how you can close the abdomen and then do the resuscitation on the baby. Um, you know, the only doctor in the county. Um, uh, and it was, yeah, it was terrifying. Um, so I made a resolution <laughs> during that time that anybody that ever came to this town would never have that experience again. And so all of the, you know, hundreds of people that I have trained over the years um, uh, being a an educator through the university with medical students and residents, and then of course the, my associates that I've trained um, when they've come here, everybody feels very well supported. And I am there, <laughs> come heck or high water, um, snowstorm or not, um, uh, uh, you know, whenever you need me, um, uh, and I will respond at any time for someone who feels like they're struggling, because I remember still to this day um, what that was like, and that will never happen again. Yeah. Well, as someone who, again, has just started working in the area, I do feel supported. Thank you for that. You've changed it. Uh, you've changed that culture significantly. Well, so it's I awful. Can it. you imagine? <laughs> no. Can you imagine? I, I can't. Can you right out of residency. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like I said, you know, I quit every day for a month. Um, and then it got better when everybody came back from vacation. Yeah. But <laughs> there was not a culture of acceptance. Certainly. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners about St. Vincent's Hospital? You know, I know it's, it's been here for... Long time. A long time. Yeah, it was one of the first hospitals in Colorado. Um, uh, the Sisters of Charity um, started it, um, uh, um, and they were from the, uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. Um, um, 
sect, I'm not sure what they're called, but the group of nuns. Um, uh, and um, uh, there was, um, uh, when Ludlow was you know, bigger than Denver in the 1800s, right. um, uh, they had asked for a medical facility. And so the sisters came and they set up the hospital here. Um, it was mostly them um, uh, for a while before there were any um, doctors that came. Um, there was doctor. Um, uh, there was a doctor in Breckenridge at the time um, uh, who was a woman doctor, interestingly enough, but she never made it over to Leadville. So there was some um, uh, care in town uh, or care in the area, but not a lot. I mean, if you remember in those days, horse and buggy, um, it took two days to get from Breckenridge to Leadville. So there wasn't a lot. <laughs> For those of us listening, it's currently about 25 minutes, 30. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> in a helicopter, it takes four minutes. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, you had to go over the pass, and if it was in the middle of winter, it took two days. Right. Um, in either case, um, uh, they started that. Um, uh, they uh, built their original hospital um, uh, that was um, uh, uh, open until about um, uh, 60, 70 years ago, and then they built the current facility they were in. Mm -hmm. And now um, we're building our new hospital, right. um, which is across the parking lot. Um, so this will be the third medical facility in Leadville with the name St. Vincent's. It's a beautiful facility, too. It's gonna, it's very yeah. exciting next frontier yeah. of medicine. Yeah, it's huge. You know, we've been trying to build another facility as this thing is aged, you know, I think it was built in the 1950s, um, uh, which even outdates me, <laughs> which is impressive. Um, uh, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's old, um, uh, and it works um, uh, just fine. Uh, but it would be, you know, it's going to be great to have a new operating room, uh, and, you know, endoscopy suite, sleep labs, you know, all of the things that, you know, um, uh, Leadville really needs. And as we continue to grow, um, it will continue to be profitable. What does the future hold for St. Vincent's? Yeah, well, um, that's a great question. Um, uh, you know, I, I look at, um, you know, how much longer I'm going to practice, and I really can't imagine my life without practicing medicine, but there comes a time in all of our lives where we probably shouldn't. Um, uh, and um, I don't really know what that means yet. <laughs> uh, but one of the first steps um, uh, is uh, to grow our medical population. And so CarePoint is here now um, uh, staffing our hospital. Um, uh, and uh, in April, um, CarePoint will take over um, the vast majority of the hospital-based patient care, which is my first step into maybe being on a floaty somewhere <laughs> in the middle of the Caribbean um, at some point in my life. Um, my um, uh, legacy, um, I believe, is this new hospital uh, and making sure that when it is built, it is well-staffed, um, uh, uh, it is uh, makes sense for our community, and that we do things that really need to be done here, and that um, I get to pass the baton to the next generation of healthcare providers and I can leave in good faith knowing that my little town is going to be taken care of. Have you thought about a lot about like your legacy? Um, yes. You know, I think as we get older, <laughs> I think that's just part of what happens, right? Um, when you think about, you know, what have I done in, with my life? Um, uh, what do I still need yet to accomplish? And then what does the last part of it look like? And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm humble in the sense that I don't, um, I, I, I don't, um, it's hard for me to realize the value, but when I look back, and of course, you know, um, uh, episodes like this, I was honored um, a couple years ago for my 20th anniversary here, and just to hear people talk about what I mean to them uh, personally and to this community, I mean, it's huge, right? You know, I look at, you know, the, the uh, you know, all of the, the kids in town, I'm like, oh well, yeah, I delivered this one, and I delivered that one, and now I'm on the second generation, right, of delivering um, the kids that I delivered, um, which is amazing. Um, I look at all of the students, um, and I, you know, who I can't even count anymore, right, how many there are, um, but you know, probably thousands at this point, mm -hmm. of all the people that have come through Leadville who now look at primary care a little differently, who, um, 
um, have gone into rural areas and helped serve you know the underserved out here um, and that impact but more importantly to have a community that knows if they need anything they'll be taken care of and that we'll figure it out and that they can trust what's happening here. They can trust this hospital, they can trust the healthcare providers in town, they know the public health system works, the school-based health system, how, how functional that is. They know if they need something, they're gonna be okay. And even if they're not gonna be okay, there's still someone who will take care of them. They will never be left out in the cold alone. And that's, I think honestly, that's, that's really the legacy that I leave behind, is that this healthcare system that we have built here works, it works really well. And we did it without a big hospital coming in and saving the day. We did it without lots of federal funding, right, that comes in and supplements things. I'm um, not to say that we're, we don't get that and we're not grateful for that, of course we are. But we did it, and we did it because of the tenacity of the people who live here, and, and we built our dream. I don't think one person could do the roles that that you do, the innumerable roles that you play in the community. How do you succession plan? How do you find people who fit the need that one day they're going to have to do all of these roles? And we haven't even touched on all of them in this podcast. How do you find the folks to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I collaborate with um, uh, people who are like-minded. And, you know, your group, CarePoint, is one of them. You know, um, uh, uh, Dylan um, uh, has, you know, Dr. Leighton has been here for years um, in our community. And I've heard about him through various mutual friends. He's, you know, he really wants to work here. <laughs> he, yep. really, he really wants to be part of this. And um, wasn't really sure how that would fit. So we met. And, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I spent five minutes, you know, having that conversation when I thought, this is it, right? This is this is how we bring in, you know, the next phase. And what I had mistakenly thought is that there was going to be another me, right? There was going to be some other young physician who, right out of residency, wants to come and do this. Um, uh, and you know, in the twenty plus years I've been here, that I've never met that person, even though I've searched and tried and hired and you know, I'm not, uh, not gotten that level of, of provider who wants to do what I do here. Mm-hmm. And so having um, a group who comes in and says, absolutely, we want, we want to do this. Um, uh, we can help you with this piece of it. Fabulous. Maybe we need to put the puzzle together instead of finding that one person. Right. We need to put the puzzle together. And then <clears throat> I've hired um, uh, advanced practitioners who live locally, um, who have similar work ethics, who are ranch kids, who um, you know have children and are raising families um, uh, here, who have that same level of commitment to the community that I do. And I've hired you know a team of them to help with um, uh, the urgent care and the outpatient arena. Uh, and um, it's just another piece to the puzzle. We have an amazing administrator at this hospital here um, who is like n- n- no other, no other administrator that we've worked with um, uh, before who really, you know, again, is at the, uh, at the, at the sunset of his career. <laughs> I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, but, you know, when you get to be our age, maybe that's what it is. But, you know, who is who looks at Leadville and says, this is... This is it, right? I'm going to make this work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because of him, we are financially healthy. Um, uh, you know, we're building our new facility.
really, we have so much more opportunity um, because uh, he's here. And that really helped, it was another piece of the puzzle that put that together where, you know, for years we spun our wheels with looking for the big healthcare system that was gonna come in and save us and didn't. Um, or, you know, the federal, um, uh, you know, um, a component that would make such a big difference. And actually what it really was is us just rolling up our sleeves um, uh, and, and putting another piece into the puzzle and making it work. So that's, that's, I think that's, you know, going to be the crowning achievement, right, of my legacy is when this place runs without me and that they don't need me anymore. When your students finish their rotation with you, what is it that you hope that they get out of it? What would you hope that they could tell you when they finish? They understand how fun medicine is. And that it is such a joy to be invited into our patients' lives and to help them through their great times, through their worst times, um, to have a front row seat in their health and their wellness and their illness and their tragedy. And what a privilege it is to be part of that. There are very few careers, there are very few professions out there that allow that level of experience and that ability to touch people like that. It is a privilege. Yeah. And it's a privilege to interview you today. Thank you for your time, Dr. Lisa Zwerdlinger. Uh, you, your legacy is intact. You are a tireless advocate and committed, you know, committed to your community. And thank you. Thank you for all of the time you shared with us today. Thank you for taking care of your own, as you've said. And uh, thank you for sharing your time with us. And any final thoughts or re recollections on stories in your career and time here? Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, I think we've, we've said enough, but thank you for being recognized. You know, I think a lot of us are out there working tirelessly, and um, part of the reason why physicians burn out is that no one says thank you, or you don't hear it enough. I hear it enough. <laughs> but thank you for being part of that. Of course. Well, thank you. Uh, that concludes the podcast today, uh, coming to you from the top of the world, the highest ER and hospital in the world, St. Vincent's Hospital in Leadville, Colorado. Uh, see you for the next podcast. We are on a quest to provide the world with free medical education. Please help us out by rating us on iTunes, following us on social media, and subscribing to our newsletter at emergencymedicalminute.com.